this week's episode, this week's breakdown has to be on the razzle-dazzle of Mike McDaniels and the Miami Dolphins. Man, I'm looking at this tape and I'm seeing and trying to figure out how in the heck are the Miami Dolphins always in football games, right? They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. But let me tell you, you can go back over and over and watch Miami with this offense led by Tua always has a chance. And one of the things that I look at with the Miami Dolphins, what makes them so creative, what makes them so successful is how they do it. And their staple of what makes them so good is they must get behind the defense. And by getting behind the defense, they do it in two ways. One, by expanding the defense with shifts and motions, leads the league almost literally 90% of shifts and motion pre-snap. And then the other thing, they make the defense commit. And when I say commit is running a ball, they're establishing a run and being, what's the word? Effective. And then that opens up the play action, which is known the RPO game. Well, my my main thing is how much of this is because it's year two. Is, is, could a coach mm. come in and install all this year one, or does this take some time? Well, you you install it year one, and you hope that it takes it takes on, and you're firing on all cylinders. But you and I both know it never works out that way. Play right here. This is the first play. Gets the Buffalo Bills. So you're going to have a shift and a motion, Tyreek Hill. And, and so pause it right there. When Tyreek goes in motion, watch how the linebackers, right? You got 58, 43, 7, 23. They're all coming into there. Watch how they shift with the shift. So again, what did I say? Get behind the defense. Make them commit. So now they've already committed. Now think about this. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys in the box and a potential eight coming in, but the seven are in the box. They're literally less than four and a half, less than four and a half, less than three and a half yards from the line of scrimmage. So go ahead and run it. They go in motion. Look at all of the guys start to run. They get on the edge with the shift in motion that allows guys now to pursue. So here's, here's a better view of it. There we go. Go ahead and run this one. So you got a condensed formation. So now everybody's condensed. You got damn near 11 guys literally within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now, Tua's looking to his left. And as he's looking to his left, the middle linebacker is sitting there. He's watching Tua. The Sam linebacker is watching Tua. The corner is watching Tua and... The safety linebacker, I can't see who it is on the 20. He's engaged with Smythe. And then the safety, the deep safety, he is nowhere involved in the play. But the guy that no one's paying attention to, not even Tua, Jalen Waddle, who ends up being wide open and no one sees him. Run the tape. Pause it right there. Look at that. Is he open because the safety starts breaking because Tua passes to his left, or is he open regardless? One, he's as open because Tua passes to his left. 
Two, he's open because he's open. Go back. <laughs> Before he throws it, slow, slow. When he throws, look, the safety is never yeah. looking at Waddle. Yeah. Does he think he's breaking out to the sideline there? The safety is not paying attention because of the flow of the play. And Mike McDaniels has done this better than anybody. I think he's doing it better than Kyle Shanahan, the guy who's doing it, because I'm not going to sit here and say that the San Francisco 49ers don't have playmakers. You know, I already know what I think about Brandon Ayuk. And come on, Debo. But what the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniels and, and Chris Greer have done is they put together a ton of guys with all different route runners. But what they what they all do have is speed. I'm pointing this out is expanding, committing, and it all is hinged on the play action and shifts in motion. Now you've you've talked about Tua hitting that third step in his drop and getting rid of the ball. Oh, last... he, he, anticip- he anticipates and throws the ball. Brock Purdy last night threw a pass to Jawan Jenkins. That Jawan Jenkins was not even out of his break. He threw that pass as the one time when I play 18 holes that I get that one good shot that brings me back. Like, ooh. You know that one shot? Yeah. Brock Purdy got that shot all the time. But even last year, he was holding the ball a little bit longer. Do you think it was more more uh, stressed during preseason, during the offseason? Like, hey, the players are going to be there. Trust the offense. We can't have you getting hit like last year. You're too important to this. I, I, I think that it has to do with the second full season in this offense. The throws, the reads are now becoming second nature where he's not thinking, he's reacting. Yeah. He's not discovering, he's confirming where he's going at the snap of the ball. He's hearing these plays and can anticipate play number 17 on the right hash. And then the first year, you're kind of like, man, what is coach really trying to do? What are, you know, who are we? What are we? Are, are we going to really run the football as much as we say we're going to run? It, it's, it's all a lot of variations. There is no variations today. It is now. This is Tua's team. Tua has to be in a conversation. Comeback player of the year, MVP, something. You can't just give him a a, a, a pat on a the back. Voice. Yeah. You can't give him a, a you can't give him the hey, I'm I may smoke, I may fire bad uh badge for the Boy Scouts. <laughs> like, nah, man. I need you need some hardware. And for the offense as a whole, I mean, McDaniel talked about it all offseason uh, with Mostert, with uh, Jeff Wilson, uh, A-Chain. How much more comfortable is he year two? Because like you said, in San Francisco, run game coordinator, Miami running the show. How much more is the offense running so smoothly just because of his comfortability being that guy? Let me show you this next play. Go to this next play that I can show you how comfortable he is. Look at this play. Look at the formation. So we talked about it. They were three and a half, four yards back. Now, bro, they're edging up closer and closer, this linebacker crew. Is it not? Have you you see this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now run the play real slow and watch what the linebackers do with the RPO. Look, f- flow, 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 
right? All of a sudden, the ball is flashing. Look at 43. 43 does, linebacker doesn't even see the ball handed off to Moster, but he is now committed by saying what? He's going to take out the fullback and say they're running the ball. He doesn't even know they're having run it. Now the linebacker, <laughs> who is literally three yards, two and a half yards, a yard and a half from the line of scrimmage, number 20, he's a safety. Look, now they're bailing out, but they're yeah. bailing out by looking at the quarterback, which means they have no idea who's behind them. I mean, just this play design of running the football. Now watch, th watch this. Watch the eyes of everybody. Boom. Now they go back. You can see them. Uh-oh. Look. Who are they? Look at, go back. Right. Go, look at yeah. 20, who was out. He came down. Look, who is he covering? <laughs> Who is he covering right now? There is no one there to cover. He's like, man, I just got to get to my area. Look, 43 gets up. He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> he, he, about to get, he about to get abused. Just that's what I'm saying. Commitment. Expanding. Great catch. Good eyes and hand coordination. Go ahead. Fast forward. So, again, motion again with Cheetah. Everybody looks. Look, they all crowd up. They realize it. And nobody has any idea where Smythe is because of just look at look at look at how many guys are crowded in line of scrimmage. And they're not even out wide. Well it's then also they go in motion. They've What's got that? everyone they've got everyone bunched to the right. Not only do they yes. they bring someone in motion, but then post snap, the first movement you see is another guy coming with like a late tail across the line. Yes. Yes. So and it's it's all about commitment getting behind, shift, expand. They run an alert. Now those guys are, hey, who you got? Oh, I got this guy. Hey, be alert for this. Be alert for that. Now he's backing out. Now they're running. There's, oh, we're going to come back in and look. Look, everybody's looking at Tua, and nobody's paying attention to the guy that, the guy that has run past both of those defenders. Coach McDaniels is doing a great job, and how he's doing it and why he's doing it, and he's just gonna get he's just gonna get nastier and nastier with all of the built in because he's building in on okay we're running this with Smite get Tariq going in motion they're running in watching him just do all the things that he's doing they gave a they gave a, a run for their money for the Philadelphia Eagles the one thing that I knew coming into the game that it was something that you need to concern yourself with is the ability of the penetration by the front seven of the Philadelphia Eagles, that was always something that we knew was going to be the difference between Miami winning or losing the game. Do you have any concern that their two losses have come to other contenders and the rest of their have, – have they beaten anyone else on that caliber this year? I know they've beaten the Patriots. They've beaten – Kansas City? No, they, they beat Kansas, Kansas Yeah, they didn't beat Kansas City. Yeah, they didn't beat Kansas City. <laughs> that I, I would have played called. Kansas City. No. <laughs> I, I was Detroit Lions. That's that's when I heard caliber. Because we are going to talk about Detroit Lions and the Baltimore. Right. I, I don't think it's – I think it's just data information that is going to make it round two and round three. So round two is in the division. Round three is the playoffs. Um, is there anything specific the Bills and the Eagles did in those games to kind of stymie the offense, or was it just more? I know Waddle left this Eagles game. That hurts. It was a great chess match, man. It was not checkers. It was chess. 
You had two, two coaches, two defensive-minded coaches, two offensive-minded coaches, right? Nick Sirianni and, and Brian Johnson, the offensive-minded guys, really playing chess. And Vic Vangio and the defense coordinator, I can't remember his name at the moment with the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, it was just, it was great ball. Now, I would tell you this. One of the things that I was trying to figure out, I love James Bradbury. He was here in Carolina. I thought when he was here in Carolina, he got better and better each game and season. I thought it was a shame that they allow him to walk in free agency. He goes out and plays well in New York. New York has to let him go because of salary cap and new coaching staff. Goes to Philly. I think he's one of the top-tier corners in the league. But my man, I got to be honest, I need a James Bradbury to maybe take a few steps off the line of scrimmage for Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill was running past him. Uh, and, it, it, you know, whoo! Well, shout-out to Tyreek Hill, too, with those shoes, man. Those, <laughs> I think his brand was uh, uh, soul-searching. Man, those things was fire. And it was just a great game to watch those. It was a great game to watch Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, uh, Waddle. Man, all these guys were just, man, I was I was sitting there watching a the game on the edge of my seat. It was, I would think it was probably one of the better games of all of, all of Sunday because some of the other games, I was concerned. <laughs> now, I've seen a lot of people – talk about the decline in offense this year and say defenses have caught up to RPO, but we've sat here and talked about the Dolphins and how they've utilized RPO to their advantage. Is the difference everything pre-snap? Are other teams just too stagnant pre-snap and that's allowing the defense to sit in and dictate the pace of the game as opposed to what we've seen the Dolphins do where, you, like you said, they're dictating everything? I think it's a combination of both. I think it has to do with the shifts in motions. Shifts in motions right now, right, the league averages 54.6% of shifts in motion pre-snap. The Dolphins are at 86% pre-snap motion and shift. Man, that's 30% difference. That's a huge difference. What would be the reason to never, or not not never, but only shift 50% of the time. What would be the reason to not do it 100% of the time? Some of that has to do with getting up getting up to the line, getting prepared, giving your quarterback an opportunity. Sometimes the motion is really just to uh, give an indicator of what the coverage. And a lot of times it's just, hey, running back lines up wide, he shifts into, into the backfield. Mm -hmm. Or the running back like a uh, DeAndre Swift, where he's lined up in the backfield and he's a every down back and he has the ability to have a presence in a pass game. So you shift him out or motion him out wide to see is the corner going to bump off or is the linebacker going to follow, right? And it has to do with tendencies of that defense and that team. This tendency, they're going to put this guy, right? And, and the Eagles did a really good job, DeAndre Swift, in the position – to catch the ball, and I can tell you one of the things that they did, very quickly they realized, do not put long on DeAndre Swift in the pass game because it's, he's not 
He's a better blitzer and impacting the game that way from trying to cover DeAndre Swift. That's the one thing I noticed because you remember uh, Long ran into uh, Holland in the game covering and just his awareness. Man, his game is really about getting into the backfield, causing disruption. Downhill. And the Eagles, yes, and the Eagles saw that and they did some things, and that really helped them in the pass game. And that's what I'm talking about, matchups. That's why shifting is important in some teams. But you got to have a running back, too, that presents a threat in the pass game as well as in the running game. Yeah, that seems to be the biggest thing with me watching the Dolphins. It's like they're not just putting – any old guy in motion. It's it's one of the fastest humans on the planet. Whether it's Mostert, whether it's A Chain, whether it's Tyreek Waddle. So it's it you gotta you like the defense not only has to react, but it's no slow jog across the field. It's a dead sprint pre snap. And 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 Miami the way they're where they're uh, motioning is uh is borderline CFL a little bit. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's it's. They they had one the one I've the the play they've run this season I've got the most respect for I think they put Smythe in motion, and then Tua threw it to Mostert coming out of the backfield. They motioned Smythe to be the lead blocker, and it's just like, what are you supposed to do? Like, there's no there's no counter to that if you're the it was a walk in touchdown because of course it was. See, like I, the 49ers, I believe last year put Trent Williams in motion on running plays, which is also horrifying. But I haven't seen someone put a lead blocker like that in motion pre snap. That was I think that was so far Mike McDaniel's best. Well, I know there are some people asking the question like, where does Chase Claypool fall into this category. Like, why would they trade for him? Chase is that big body guy, right? Your team, the New England Patriots, have benefited from Mike Gusecki in the past game. Mike Gusecki, at times last year for the Dolphins, was tipping his hand because he wasn't uh, he wasn't as aggressive as the, as Coach McDaniel's would like him to be, and so that that's what led to him his reps decreasing. And so Chase Claypool is that big presence and that physical uh, body that they would hope he would become in this offense because Tyreek Hill, he's going to block. But Tyreek Hill is also known for running some really good routes and getting on the edge, right? Uh, Jalen Waddle, he'll block too, but his, his, his superpower is the speed and getting out into the routes, getting on the edge. Cedric Wilson Jr., again, superpower, getting out on the edge, getting them out in space. They need somebody, like they have Smite, but then they also need uh, someone else in between the hash and that condensed formation that they can count on, that can help them stay consistent in this RPO play action and run game that strikes the fear into the defense that keep them on their heels. We talk about the Dolphins really clicking year two of this new offensive installment. The Ravens, it's year one for everyone there in terms of what they're dealing with. With the off the offensive coordinator, it's his year one in the NFL after being at Georgia. Lamar, it's his year one under this new offense. Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers was at BC last year. Odell wasn't in the league last year. So how, how like last week we saw against the Steelers, there were some drops, there was some miscommunication. This week against the Lions. Everything looked to be on the same page. Well, two, well, two weeks two two weeks ago they had drops against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then they go down to London and they play the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans, 
uh, that game a little was a little bit uh, you, you wanted to see more. And you, I heard people all week talking about and listening, can this offense be fixed? Yeah, it can be fixed. One, first of all, the offense doesn't have a problem. What the problem, what the issue is, is time. And here's the example. Last year, the d- new defensive coordinator, Mike McDaniels, where was he? He was at college. And they had all of these studs. But it still took the defensive coordinator, the players, to figure out what's going on. How does coach want to play me? They went from playing a lot of man coverage. Marlon Humphrey's a predominantly man guy. Now they're playing primarily zone coverage somehow. They're uh, blitzing. They also have enough uh, rush and pressures with four and five, and unlike some other teams that they have to do six. When you look at the new offensive coordinator, it's a new system. And when, when, a, when it's a new system, it comes with new rules. And responsibilities. And I'll give you an example of new rules and responsibilities. Greg Roman in his offense, if the linebacker blitzed and a big nickel or dime corner came off the edge, there's a possibility they would stay with the call or audible out of it. I don't know. But they would do something. They wouldn't act like nothing's going on. Now with Coach Coach Munkin, now all of a sudden, if that same blitz comes, they may change it. So with Greg Roman, that old system, I'll use it, squares and circles. That was the language, squares and circles. With Mike Munkin, now it's triangles and octagons. Totally different, so opposite. Zay Flowers at Boston College, I'm pretty sure that offense was different. No Lamar Jackson at Boston College. No, no, no. <laughs> they would not allow that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Lamar Jackson was in Greg Roman's offense. And so I, I just think with time, you got to let the time get there and let these guys really see and know and become second nature to where they now – are knowing exactly this is what Coach Munkin wants from me. And I think we saw what the possibility of the Baltimore Ravens can and will be against the Detroit Lions. But also brace yourself. They also may take a step back, one or two steps back, because they took about 15 steps forward. 28-0 with five minutes left in the first quarter, almost averaging double Digits per play? I mean, had all the time in the world. Lamar Jackson had enough time back there to say, Hut, order Uber Eats, <laughs> scour through, hmm, what are, are we doing crab cakes today? Or just look at every possibility. Put the football in his back pocket, take out his phone, order Uber Eats, ASAP delivery. What a great tip. Put his phone up, bring the football back out, scamper to his right, throw across his body for a touchdown. That's how much time he had. 
Listen, you're here to break down the football, the X's and O's, the the rhombuses and trapezoids, whatever you just said about this this offense. I'm here to I'm I'm the fan on the ground. I'm here looking at other fan bases, and I know we've got a Lions fan in the booth right now. Lions fans leading up to this game have completely forgot that they're Lions fans, and I have nothing against Lions <laughs> is that, fans. Is that right? The amount of Lions fans I saw oh, saying, just make, say 100%. Make, Lion, make Lamar a pocket passer. How did that work out for you? They, oh, hey, that's, they, they, the Lions say, you know what? We're going to make Lamar Jackson beat us from the pocket. He didn't beat you from the pocket. He jumped off the top rope <laughs> in the pocket, backflip, cartwheel, boom, got a 10. Yeah, stuck the landing. It's uh... stuck, I'm talking about stuck. Uh, he stuck the landing. and he, he, hit, he stuck the landing, and this is what he did to all the judges. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> 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 so, yeah, I... I, I I'm happy for the Lions. It's, they're still a successful season. The season's not over. They're still going to be good. But they definitely needed to be to take it down just one notch. Just one. Just one notch. Like, they see the Bears are terrible. They see the Packers are terrible. The Vikings, terrible. They've never been in this position before. So I appreciate the Ravens being like, all right, let's, let's just calm it down a little bit. Just a little bit. I, I think one of the biggest issues that I saw with the Lions that they seem to underestimate too many missed tackles mm. over and over. run game, pass game. They Aiden Hutchinson was in the game. Branch, he was in the game. But man, that thing got out of hand real quick. Real quick. And it's that's I think that's what surprises me about the Lions. I don't know what it is, but when we were talking about it last night, you even said it. They've become such a finesse team. And I don't think of the Lions as a finesse team. Like what they need, and even Dan Campbell, like they seem like they should be more of a smash mouth team, and it just wasn't there at all on Sunday. I, I was surprised how much the running game took a step back. And I know they got behind so quickly, so they couldn't really tr- run the ball. But they're missing David Montgomery. They really are. Jameer Gibbs, I, I was like, man, I think he's going to take over that take over that role, but I still think he's still trying to find his way the same way Najee Harris is. It's like they've had, they have so much good body control and balance that sometimes they dance around in a hole too much Yeah, that they have forgotten that those guys are just as quick and strong as me. Because <laughs> right. Najee Harris, even against the Rams, he made some plays, bro. If he just put his foot in the ground and went to the angle, but he got to the edge and then he tried, like, he tried to duck under, and I'm like, and, and but he ran with such violence. When he put his foot in the ground and took off, Najee Harris was good. And I think Jameer Gibbs has that same ability, but they're really missing that grinder of David Montgomery, and I'm not sure if they've made that adjustment yet. Over time, they will, but I don't think they really figured it out yet. Have you seen anything with... Jamison Williams positive or negative I mean he's he's had such a weird start to his career but number 12 pick coming out of Alabama was at Ohio State before that very highly touted known as game-breaking speed he had five targets this game 0 for 5 obviously the Ravens have a really good defense the week prior he caught a long touchdown where he had a nice adjustment down the field and a ball kind of thrown behind him but that's where it's like 
watching Jamison Williams and to a lesser extent Jalen Hyatt because he's so much younger in his career really makes me appreciate a guy like Deshaun Jackson because all of these guys have been pointed to as like, oh, he can be Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson week to week was putting up big numbers. He was getting long targets downfield and just producing. So what is it about his speed versus some of these new guys who get dubbed these next Deshaun Jacksons? What's the difference there? Is it the offense? Is it the individuals themselves? It has to do with the offense, but it also has to do with the style of defenses that teams are playing, right? You look at the great pass that he caught that was slightly thrown behind him. Sometimes the corners are playing differently. Sometimes the defensive coordinator is playing over top. You go back, we go back to the Tariq Hill. J- James Bradbury is pressed up, but gives free access release. And Cheetah just outruns the double coverage. And and Tua threw such an excellent pass yeah, with did. touch. Right? So it 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 all varies on are you in condensed formation? Are you in motion? So it has so many moving parts. They have been playing without him so long that they're trying to get acclimated to how he's going to run his routes. And he's trying to figure out how am I going to run my routes versus this coverage? Because by the time you figure it out, most likely the game is going on and you're on to the next team and the next corner. For, for me, it looks like coaches overthinking some things. Like when, when I think of the Joe Flacco Ravens with Torrey Smith, they, every other drive, would just throw it deep to him because they knew he was either going to catch it, there's going to be a pass interference, or an incompletion. Like they were, those were the three true outcomes almost. It was going to be one of those three, two of those extremely beneficial I feel like it's a little bit of overthinking. Like, we've got this really fast guy. We we drafted him specifically to take shots downfield. And they're letting either the other team dictate the flow of the game or they're just overthinking and trying to be too complex, trying to get too cute. We saw very only with Jalen Hyatt. They, uh, Brian Dayball had did a really good job, and I had talked to him about it, is they knew he had speed. They just had to figure out how can we implement his presence in this offense the same way he he impacted the Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, Volunteers. And what did they do? First couple of plays against Carolina Panthers, even during the season, preseason, got him off the ball, stack formation, in motion. Got him the same way you saw him in there. Now, what is going on is they also don't want to create a tip and and and. and foreshadow what they're doing well when he's in the game he's going to be off the ball he's going to be stacked or he's going to be in motion and most likely get him going and that's where we're going to throw it to him so you got you gotta sometimes know what you do what's your tendencies and break your own tendencies so people don't key on it and key on it at the wrong time which is when you need that big play in the third or fourth quarter or in the second quarter before the half where it's going to your guy. It's right. going to this guy who does this well at this moment. So that's that's where that's where the overthinking comes in and 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 players we players do it all the time just like coaches. Definitely. Definitely. 
But there's there's over like I think they're overthinking to the point where they're just not using them at all. Like they're they're too worried about the tells where they've completely not even tried it. And Tyrod this last week was like, let's try it. And what do you know? It worked a couple of times. We're talking about a lot of first and second year offenses. There's a first year offense and a first year quarterback right in your backyard in Carolina. And they had the week off. Still, they lost to the off week, which is tough. Uh, but now what, they've got. What, what did you say? <laughs> what did you, you just, did you just slide a little dig in there? They've got CJ coming in this week. What is what is the talk going on in Carolina? Is it annoying? Are you annoyed with the talk in Carolina right now? I I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I am. I just I'll just say I, I I'm annoyed with it because. One, there's all these narratives. One is, oh, Steve's, uh, Steve's on the Panthers' payroll. No, I'm not. Steve is making excuses. No, I'm just telling you what it is. Uh, I had someone say that Steve called CJ uh, dumb. I never said CJ was dumb. That never came out of my mouth, and I don't believe the young man is dumb. I think he's he- hell of intelligent, and I'll say it. I watch his film, and... I've never played quarterback in my life, and I don't think I could play quarterback in my life. One, because of my height. Two, because of the workload that you need to play as a quarterback, and I've only played wide receiver and corner and running back. I've never played quarterback. So I don't know one thing about what it takes to be a college quarterback. Now, I evaluate film and say, hey, this guy is making a right read or wrong read because I know offenses. And I'm the eye in the sky and I get to watch it enough times that I go, oh, this is the route they're supposed to run. And when so- I see somebody on film doing this, he's hesitating. And yeah, I, I, can, I can play, you know, armchair quarterback. What, I'm th- what I think is going to happen, which I think is an unfair expectation, if Bryce Young... And it has nothing to do with yards. If Bryce Young does not, and Bryce Young led by the Carolina Panthers, do not beat the Houston Texans Texans, and C.J. Stroud, this fan base is going to say, and everybody's going to say, was it a mistake? And I, and I, that's cringe. That makes me cringe because seven, eight games in, you're saying now that that was a mistake and that was the worst pick ever. Let's be honest, man. There's been a lot of first-round busts at quarterback. It doesn't look like Bryce. I, I've seen some first – we've all witnessed some first-round busts. We can Google first-round busts, and usually first-round busts don't – in the eight weeks, they're not, you know, throwing it for 237 yards and a few touchdowns. They're, you know, it looks – it looks totally different. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bryce has made some truly or incredible disagree. throws. You walk, no. hey, I need to make an announcement. You're welcome to disagree with me. You're not my yes man. No. I just want people to know that. Heavens no, no. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I mean, A, every fan base, this isn't just a Carolina thing, every fan base acts like this season is the last season that will ever be played of any sport. There's never next year. And I know a team, a fan base like Carolina doesn't want to hear about next year, but when you hire an entirely new coaching staff, 
and then draft a quarterback first overall. You got to be thinking about it. That wasn't a, a ploy to win the Super Bowl this year. That is a rebuild move. That is where you guys are at. You guys are at year one of the rebuild. To expect, and I understand it's a bad division, so that plays into it too, but to expect to be hoisting a Lombardi this year is insanity. You got to give kids some time. When when Peyton Manning, everyone, you agree Peyton Manning had a decent career, right? I think it was all right. Yeah. He was, I mean, trust <laughs> There, there are flaws, and I can point them out at length. But he, he, one of his flaws, awful rookie season, awful. Really? Now we're not saying that Bryce Young is going to turn out to be Peyton Manning. No, we're just trying to say that because their first year, you cannot predict who they will be. No, and I mean you, you look at Josh Allen's rookie season, awful, just terrible. What did they do? They went out and they got Stephon Diggs, started making it look a little bit better. The Panthers need that part of it before I start saying how I, and they need the offensive line to be better before I start saying Bryce Young is this or that. He's made some throws that Buss can't even dream of making. Just can't even dream. Like they have no idea they are options that exist. I did like CJ coming into the draft a little bit more just because of his size, because I thought, I'm tired of this, like, Ohio State narrative I keep hearing. Like, Ohio State quarterbacks can't process, can't do this, can't do that. What he did against Georgia last year was as impressive as anything I've seen in college football in the 21st century. I was very high on CJ. What are the real expectations? And the real expectations that I have coming up into this game is it's another opportunity to see and measure up how far do the Carolina Panthers need to go during free agency and in a draft next year to put Bryce Young in the best position to be successful? The Houston Texans offensive line is playing so much better than the Carolina Panthers. The Houston's defense collectively is playing so much better than the Carolina Panthers. The wide receivers as a whole are playing better than the Carolina Panthers as a whole, right? And so when you put them up like they used to do, like when you play Madden 99, <laughs> right? When it was when John Madden was still on there versus when they were putting players on there. When you pick that team, it would show you plus and minus, like who wins that category. And right now, when I put up the Carolina Panthers, and the Houston Texans and offensive line, you have to give it to the Houston Texans. As a whole, you have to give the defense because of injury. Shaq's not there. J.C. Horn's not there. I don't know if uh, uh, Dante Jackson is going to be available, but I know what the Houston Texans have, and they play four quarters of football, the Carolina Panthers, the third quarter for the defense has been the Achilles heel. Now, I have to be honest and fair, it's not their fault because they're down. They're missing some guys that they can really use right now that can help them. And the stress is on because they have to win, and there's this expectation that Bryce was going to fit. Bryce was going to be Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And it's not how... It's, it's not a realistic expectation. 
if I were a Panthers fan, I would be less concerned with Bryce, more concerned with the process which led to getting Bryce. Because I believe, as a fan, I have no inside information. Steve didn't tell me anything. This is just how I view it. I believe the Panthers traded up from 9-1 to one without knowing who they were going to take. They just wanted to rule the draft board and evaluate from there. They didn't see. No, that's 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 accurate. Okay. That's accurate. Okay. So that's the process I would more have a problem with than ultimately taking the player. I think if you're going to make a jump that big, it needs to be like, hey, we know that's our guy. We're not wavering one one iota. So here, but here's the thing: if you look at the reports, there were several teams that was trying to jockey. At number nine, you have no way of getting your guy. No doubt. I'm not saying that. I'm so, so moving up to the first pick and being in a driver's seat, where at least the hill you die on is because you got to chose the hill. Absolutely. I, I get that they wanted to make that choice. What I'm saying is I think you have to know who you want before you make that trade. Otherwise, you're just kind of being like, we will take whoever we end up liking. Not that you were already in love with somebody to go make that trade. That's the difference to me. But when players go back one, two, and they play the same position, it follows them their whole career. It just is yeah, what it is. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Frank Wright giving up play calling? I want to know when it actually happened because it, some people are acting, <laughs> well, some people are acting like it just happened. Other people are saying it happened a couple of weeks ago. So that's where it's like, I, I, I would love to know when it happened so I could make a better evaluation, but um, it's, like, it's interesting. It's, I, it's I, tough. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, I think it's great because you got this offense coordinator that you, you know, that you brought in and he's not running. He's not, had the opportunity to call the plays. So I, I think it would be great to allow him to call a full game. Sometimes it's hard to balance also managing the game as well. Not everybody does it well. And I'm not saying Frank doesn't do it well. I'm just saying it's like driving a car and trying to email at the same time you can have tunnel vision that can be hazardous to your health because sometimes you're not aware of things because you're too busy. Like there were times early in the season where they were, you know, they wasted some time because they were getting a call in. But if you are the game, if you're managing the game as the head coach and not manage the game as a coordinator, sometimes you can get distracted with looking for the next play. That, and that's all I mean. And, and that's where the stress of the game of the play caller can sometimes be unfair and cause you to miss the little small detail. So the Panthers should theoretically look better across the board. Not better, more on the same page across the board. I don't necessarily believe or think because Thomas Brown is calling the plays now that all of a sudden we're going to go we're going to go on this 11 game winning streak right and all other teams don't know what's coming we still have a little bit of uncertainty at the offensive line position we still have some uncertainty of impact in the game outside of 
Adam Thielen in the pass game. Is it, are they going to go with Chuba Hubbard or are they going to go with Miles Sanders? Are they doing a hot, you know, whoever's the hot back, whoever has a hot hand is going to stay in the game? I mean, there's a lot of question marks. And then the third quarter, third quarter for the Carolina Panthers has been that Achilles heel for the defense. They start to wear down. They've been on the field a lot. So a lot of stuff happens. And they've got backups that are out there who I, th I believe that are playing well, but not well enough to beat the Miami Dolphins. They don't have the they don't have the weapons that the Miami Dolphins have, and so over time it just got tough. Uh, speaking of not having the weapons, the New England Patriots went out and somehow beat the Buffalo Bills. I've seen the Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills more than any team in football. Like Tom Brady lost them twice like i'm not even being funny like genuinely like two or three times and since he left the bills have beaten us like a drum outside of that one game yeah. where <laughs> it was raining sideways and we ran the ball yeah, yeah, yeah. every play and, yes. and snuck out yeah, that yeah, win yeah. that's the only win we've had against them until sunday where josh allen starts the game off with an interception horrible i don't know what he was like horrible pass one of the worst passes i've seen all year ends the game with a fumble he leads the league in turnovers since he came into the league. So this idea that he's like gotten rid of that from his game is just unfounded. Like he's still Tommy turnover. Like he's going to turn the ball over. That's and in this game specifically, I know you still work for the shield. I see it right there on your laptop. The, the NFL wants him to be so much better than he actually is. The flags that he was, if I wanted to win this game, I would have been furious with the amount of hand. They were walking him down like a father and his daughter walking him down the aisle. They were walking him down the field so that he could score. It was embarrassing. Some of the flags he was, Josh Allen's like six, seven, 300 pounds, all muscle. Jack Jones was drafted low because of his athleticism and size. And he was, knocking him down i find that hard to believe steve smith senior <laughs> <laughs> bro i don't even know what this <laughs> i can't with you right now dog i can't with you i think that was you walking him down like a father <laughs> some of the calls they were calling a lot of like illegal uh man downfield on the patriots because <laughs> Because speedster Farrow Brown was outrunning the, the Bills defense? Like, I don't know about that one. I don't know. Some tough, some questionable calls. And I know people are going to say, like, oh, you're a Patriots fan. You've gotten every call the last 20 years. Like, I'm sure people say that. I don't care. I don't I wish it kept happening. I don't know why it stopped. We need them now more than we did back then. We need them so much more now. Oh, my gosh. Matt played well. How you really feel? Well, the the, the real <laughs> takeaway I had from this game, part of the reason the Bills have been beating us so thoroughly post Tom, wasn't even as much about the quarterback position. It was about the other fifty-two on the roster. The Bills had so much more speed than the Patriots. It was so apparent every time they went out there. It was a track meet, and the Patriots had a bunch of me's running around out there, just not the athletes able to keep up with what the Bills were putting on the field. This was the first time they both matched up, and that was not an advantage for either side. It was very evenly matched in terms of athletes on the field. And I say that to tell all the people who constantly want Bill Belichick, the GM, fired to shut up. 
because it isn't that serious. 2019, Tom's last year, terrible draft class. Set them back a few years to the point where they had to spend a bunch of money on not that great of players in free agency in 2021. Now you're seeing it's been four years, but you're seeing all of the draft picks, all of those smaller free agents. Starting to develop and the game is the game is starting to come to them. They're starting to be able to slow the game down, anticipate second nature. When they see something, they are able to diagnose where they need to where they need to be, wrong arm and impacting impacting the play uh in the right way. Bill Belichick's his ability to find the gems. He has never really been known for finding a player now and you seeing the impact now. It's usually in the draft, it's like two or three years, and you go, where did this come in? And then it just goes, and then they go. Yeah, I mean, great example this year is Anthony Jennings, who was a guy who came out of Alabama, linebacker. Kind of a tweener position, doesn't have like that crazy speed a lot of modern linebackers do, doesn't have that big size to come off the edge and 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 be an elite pass rusher. He's been unbelievable for this defense this year. He's been making plays consistently game to game. Not a guy that he got through the draft, but a guy he got through a trade last year. Jabril, Jabril Peppers has been maybe our best overall player. And this is a guy who I, I've been I've been impressed with him too, because when when the Cleveland Browns got him out of Michigan, I was kind of like, hmm, okay, let's see, let's see will he have the same kind of impact. He never had that impact. He had flashes. Bro, he's becoming that player that you saw in college with the New England Patriots. And you just go, wow, he's always on the field. He's always making a play. He's been great to watch. I, I feel bad for guys like him, Judon, who are here just after the party ended. You know what I mean? They just got yeah, here yeah. one couple minutes too late. The cops are already come, broken it up. Everyone's gone home. They just showed up. They got the rack on their shoulder. Like, what happened? I thought we were yeah. going all night. Yeah. Sorry, guys, but I, I do appreciate. I mean, he's, he's taken on a leadership role. He's the one always talking to the media, especially since Judon went down with the injury. He's talking to the media. He's hyping the guys up. He starts that game off with that pick against Josh Allen last week against the Raiders, a game they they got they lost. But he nearly decapitates poor Devontae Adams. Like he's brought an intensity and and a purpose to this defense to this team that really hadn't been there the last year and a half. So I really appreciate that he, out of Peppers. Watching watching him, he reminds me of Lawyer Malloy. Ooh. Right, who just like he's roaming back there, and if he could get a chance to remind you he's back there, oh, he will. <laughs> what? No, it's it's just true. Like he's yeah. he, and and Jack Jones came back this week. Like I said, that it just felt like the defense has been ravaged by some injuries. Christian Gonzalez had an electric first couple of games. He's out for the season. Judon out for the season. Um, so injuries like that, you could kind of see the defense kind of just going through the motions through the last couple of games, that intensity, they weren't enforcing their will. Like they had been, I mean, they play the Eagles to open the season, very tightly contested game. The defense showed up. They play the dolphins right after that very tightly contested game. The defense showed up. Then you get to the Cowboys game and all this, and they start withering a little bit, having Jack Jones and Jabril peppers in that secondary really seemed to bring back, um, 
a certain attitude that they had been lacking. And that I think that was a large part of the reason they won. Now, Mac also played really well. I don't want to pretend like the defense carried them this whole game. Mac did play really well. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking that with what's what's happening in New England right now that bothers me. When Mac looks bad, it's the coaches and the offensive line's fault. When he looks good, it's all him. Something feels something feels wrong there. Something feels incorrect there. What's wrong with that? Hey, uh, the t- listen, I f- I failed the test because the teacher didn't like it. <laughs> I got an A because I'm smart. <laughs> That's that's it. Is, is, does, does that sum it up? I well, if he were saying that, I have no problem with that. The media carrying his water is what I what blows my mind. It's just like what you want Belichick fired a week. This guy's got three hundred wins. You wanted to fire him because you didn't like the result of the game. He well, Mac Jones never said that. No, I'm t- I'm talking about the media. I'm not talking about yeah. Mac. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the me. That's what that's what blows my mind. Yeah, we always got to blame someone. Hey, Mac Jones playing well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a complete confidence thing with him. There have been times. It's, every quarterback is a complete confidence thing. And, and but, but what we don't realize, there's a lot of variables why a guy is not confident or comfortable. And with quarterbacks, it's so much more complicated, right? You can see what a wide like I can see what a wide receiver. Wide receiver runs the route, he catches it or he beats the corner. The ball is either catchable, not catchable. You know, he slips, he falls. With a quarterback, he can get back. He can, you know, he can be out there calling the play, set hut. The guard steps on his foot. The running back goes the wrong way. They blow, you know, the offensive line blows the assignment. It's so many more variables, which is why quarterbacks are, are, are now getting paid so much money because it's just so much that goes into playing a quarterback position that it complicates things and you have to be compensated at a high level. And it's hard to find out if a guy can really play or not. I was going to say, before we get out of here, people right now are freaking out about B. John Robinson. Um, and before you touch on it, I just want to say fandom is a sickness and it's gotten worse with uh, outside entities of of both fantasy football, which we love, shout out Underdog Fantasy, and gambling. This idea where like players need to tell you every single thing that's going on in their, their minds and their bodies and their health is insane to me genuinely insane Bijan robinson was sick it happens like we we talk about michael jordan with the flu he didn't announce he had the flu he just went out there and got uh, peeled off the court at the end of the game that wasn't pre-game pre-game they weren't like oh you had a bad pizza last night no we just he played through it this isn't new people acting like Bijan's the first person to get sick during a game and this the falcons are trying to game the league and its integrity shut up no they're not he had a migraine <laughs> And you hear what he has and the and the response. Oh, a migraine. Grow up. Have you ever had a migraine? Bro, they are horrible. Debilitating. And m- migraines aren't like Amazon and FedEx and UPS. They don't come and ring the door. Ding dong. Hey, Bijan. 
Hey, Coley, Steve. Who's it? Who's there? You home? Uh, it's me, migraine. It's 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 migraine. I'm coming in. You ready? I I no. Shh. Tell him I'm not home. Tell, like people are coming at him. The dude had a migraine, and you don't know a migraine's coming. And there's a lot of factors into why and how somebody gets a migraine. My hope is, hopefully, this does not become a reoccurring right. thing, thing, and they can figure out what caused it. Because my oldest son had migraines and we figured out it had to do with his eyesight. And, bro, there were times where he, man, four or five hours, I mean, he was done. Yeah. Like, had to be in a dark room. It was, it, it, I felt so, so bad for him. I don't remember him having issues at Texas, so hopefully it was just a one-time thing, but I had migraines. Oh, so he didn't text you that he had migraines? No, I was talking to him last night. I don't, he didn't say that this was... <laughs> Uh, recurring issue, yeah. but he forgot to mention. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what it was. I didn't break my leg. It was migraine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had them in high school all the time. They're debilitating. They're you. It's all you can think about. It's all you can focus. It doesn't allow you focus on anything else other than the pain. It's it's like the. Do you remember the Noid little blue guy? Very annoying. I believe he was in Pizza Hut commercials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very annoying. That's what migraines are. It's just you cannot ignore it for the life of you. It lives right here, right in your face. Awful. So, yeah, I don't blame him for not wanting to participate in Falcons Bucks week seven with a migraine. Like, I get it. Sit that one out. I, I remember I had a teammate who obviously didn't get a migraine, but he got a he got a concussion one time. Uh, shout out to Brandon LaFell, man. We were sitting in on the sideline. It was a night game. Fell got a, a concussion. And I, 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 I lied to you not. He's sitting there, and my man looks over. He says, Smitty. I said, yeah. He said, bro, we got to turn these lights down. <laughs> I said, whoa. <laughs> you need to go inside. It's more <laughs> man, I put a towel over his head. My, my dog is done for the day, fellas. <laughs> Those are the injuries. Those are the things, right, in football that, you know, fans just don't know, man. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of things that have happened in the game that has such an impact that you don't even – you have no idea. So. I'm glad LaFell's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Bowl champ. Mm-hmm. That's my God, but um, I appreciate another great show. I'm Steve Smith, Sr. Holy Mick.